Hey everyone, and welcome to Behind the Bee Box. I'm your host, Sherry, and I'll be interviewing passionate, courageous people who love what they're doing and are on top of their game. I want to share their journeys, lessons, and tips with you. We also discuss different facets of workplace culture and leadership. Plus, we'll dive a little deeper into thought-provoking topics we think you'll love. I truly hope it makes a positive difference to your life, workplace, or business. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, it's been a while since the last episode and I'm feeling refreshed and ready to get back into it after a solid break. Our first episode of 2020 is with Nikki Ursu. She has worked within the people and culture space for over 20 years and has started a business helping people who are at a crossroads with their careers. There are a few questions that came through to me on LinkedIn for this one, so I hope it helps those who ask Nikki a few questions on the topic. Hope you enjoy this episode. Um, so thank you um, for inviting me. It's my pleasure to be here. So my role is General Manager of People and Culture at Central Bayside Community Health Services. And Central Bayside Community Health Services provides um, health services to those who are more vulnerable or disadvantaged. Um, so there's a real strong sense of purpose there and connection with clients. We've got a disability branch as well. Um, so that's really, I guess, really fulfilling um, because you actually see the clients on site every day when you work, um, which is something coming from my old role, which was working in a really large organisation. You didn't get as much client contact. Um, so I think that's really important. And I know I'm jumping ahead a bit here, but in terms of helping to connect to your purpose, to see the impact of what you do in front of you every day is so important. Definitely. So I'm really lucky that role is very flexible. Um, so I work four days a week in that role and I get to fulfil my other passion, which is Ignite Your Career workshops with my business partner. Um, and I don't like saying it's on the side because it's, abs- it's absolutely not. It's such a powerful program. Um, and I know we'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit more. Um, but I guess the bulk of what I do is in that leadership and people and culture space. And then we work one-to-one with individuals in a group setting, but also in coaching um, to help connect them to their purpose and potential when it comes to their career. Um, and I guess just working in people and culture for so long, I see the impacts when people aren't engaged. Yeah. Um, and how and do you... Yeah. Oh, sorry, go, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, keep, keep going. You had a question. Um, I was just going to ask, where, how did you get to a point where you feel so connected with your purpose? Because that's what you're doing, you know, in your everyday work. You're helping other people connect to their purpose and passion. Mm-hmm. How yeah. did you find or how did you become aware that this was actually what really lights you up? Yeah, look, there were, I love that Steve Jobs quote around you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. And he then says, you've got to trust in something, your gut, karma, whatever it is, you've just got to trust that it'll work out. And I think what happens when, if you get too focused on finding your purpose, it's like this, I guess, laser beam that can then tend to um, cut you off from other opportunities that are around you. Um, So I think the thing about purpose is it can grow and you can find it along the way, but you've just got to take the first step into um, looking at what 
lights you up. But just take that first step and then momentum. Oh, sorry, can you see me? My internet connection got a bit unstable. You're yeah, right? Yeah, it grows, yeah. but you're good. Yeah. So for me personally, um, there it all came together at a point um, within the last couple of years that I could then look back and see how these series of steps and life experiences had got me there. But I guess what's the more juicy component is what are those sentinel events and those things that really piqued um, my understanding of what my purpose was. And there were two things. I found myself in a role uh, that did not match my strengths and did not match my purpose and my values. Mm. And before then, I hadn't experienced what it was like to go to work every day and just feel so misaligned. And I'm sure lots of people have that experience and just don't really know what to do about it. Mm. But there then was, I guess, yeah. There was actually a question just when you were um, saying that, there was a question that came up in the post um, on LinkedIn that, you know, I was telling everyone how I was going to speak to you. And one of the questions was actually, what are the red flags that indicate it's time to make a career change? And I think um, it's That's what you're it. talking about now. That's it. And, you know, the red flags, they can be external, but they can also be internal. And I think um, the majority of people or a lot of us have just become really removed from what's going on for us internally. Because there's so much distraction externally. There is so much expectation. There is so much social media in our faces about what other people are doing and why can't I do that and comparing yourself to others. Mm -hmm. But those red flags, the most important ones are what's going on for you internally. Yeah. And, you know, so I can talk about red, like serious red flags, like, you know, there's bullying going on or there's harassment, but they're at the extremes. Yeah. You know yourself, if you're not able to go to work every day and contribute your potential and have harmonious relationships based on trust and respect and also to be able to have your values in line with your organisations or at least be able to live your values while you come to work. Because if you can't, it's like... It's like dragging a massive load uphill or actually the analogy I use is like swimming upstream. Yeah. And so once you identified those feelings of misalignment, um, yeah. not having the strengths needed for that particular role or just not feeling, you know, as energetic in that, in that role, what, what happened yeah. next? So what happened next is sometimes the universe intervenes and gives you a massive push. Mm. <laughs> so what, what you generally find is people can put up with a lot of pain in their current circumstance and they put up with it because they justify to themselves that there's no other way so like like any human being I went through that process as well and then it took um I guess it took uh my father getting terminally ill and then subsequently passing away mm -hmm. and this was a man who believed that anybody could do anything mm -hmm. and he ended his life by saying to my brother if I had to do my career all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. And I thought to myself, how many people can say that? Yeah, it's very, I mean, it, it sounds very rare. 
Yeah. So I think it was going through personally as a people and culture professional to go through a really difficult period career-wise, um, I actually think is really beneficial because it helps you to under, have an understanding of what staff and employees and, and workers are going through every day. Like we're, we're not immune to it. Um, and then having that sort of sentinel event, which just sort of changed the whole way I viewed the world, really. So this, this, this was a man who believed that I could do anything. Mm -hmm. And it was with his passing that I realised I don't have him there anymore to say, you can do whatever you want. I've got to have that belief within myself now. Mm -hmm. And then the thought of, I guess, other people out there not having that belief in themselves and also not realising that there is a way you, you can change your mindset and get out of your current circumstances with the right belief in yourself and support systems. So then I went on and did um, an advanced master practitioner in NLP coaching and learned some incredible tools to help people do that. And we, we um, actually implement a few of those tools in our workshop and in our coaching. And it just makes, it's made the biggest difference um, to, to anything I've done, um, introducing some NLP tools into, into that process. So then um, can you speak a little bit about, um, I mean, th those two moments are, a really big events that have led to what you're doing now. How did you go from working in the people and culture role to starting to develop this business, ignite your career? What were the sort of the steps that you took? Because a lot of people have these great ideas, these business ideas, or, you know, it doesn't even need to be a business. It could be just doing something different that they're passionate about that may yep. take some of their time after work. How, do you, how did you go from, you know, being able to create, ignite your career and also, you know, you're, you're, you've got a family as well. So yes. um, it'd be really yeah. good to hear about how you have transitioned or how, you know, it's probably yeah. still a work in progress. So I'd love to hear that as it well. Is. It absolutely is. Um, I would love to say it was the easiest thing I ever did because it was meant to be, yeah. but it, it wasn't you know, in reality, but was it worth it? Absolutely. But the first thing that popped to mind when you asked that question was, and I keep going back to one step. Mm. So what's that saying about the best way to eat an elephant? <laughs> you know, if you look back at the elephant in front of you and go, oh my God, how am I going to tackle this? Um, it's really overwhelming. So I guess on my part, there was a bit of naivety about what is involved in setting up a business. I had an incredible, I've got an incredible business partner though. So Alison Saunders is my business partner. And I think for us, that has what's kept us accountable. So you've got to understand your strengths and your values. Now, one of my top values is connection and collaboration. So there was never any way that I would have even wanted this to work or would have even started it without someone by my side that we could bounce ideas. Mm. And I see you've got a business partner as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think it's so helpful having that one other person 
to be yeah. able to bounce off, to be able to just sometimes even get you motivated to do what you need to do. That's it. So that to me is key. Mm. Um, the different perspectives, motivation, accountability, but with that comes difficult conversations. Mm. As I'm sure you've experienced, you've got to have that trust there where you can have a difficult conversation um, and what I call go from a surface level conversation to a deep conversation. And that's the only way that ideas get born and get bigger and better. So I think they're the two biggest things, the first step and having a business partner who can help keep you motivated, accountable, inspired. Mm -hmm. The other thing is to surround yourself with inspiring people. So I continue to get my inspiration from reading books, listening to podcasts, talking to other people about how they go about things. In that TED Talk, you know, the Scott Dinsmore one yeah. that he said through, he actually said the biggest hack to becoming successful is to surround yourself with inspiring people. So his business didn't go anywhere. Um, I can't remember for how long the period was, but he talks about it in his TED Talk until they started growing their community and inviting more inspiring people to, to join in. So that's really important. Oh, the family juggle, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have the answers. <laughs> I can tell you what, what kind of works for me some weeks and then doesn't work other weeks because you've got these little human beings with their own personality. But what I do know is if I apply my values when I'm interacting with them, that helps me to feel more connected to them. And I try and keep telling myself it's quality over quantity. Yeah. Um, and, and we outsource. We get help. Um, and they probably have to do more things um, on their own. So they're becoming more independent. You know, we have a nanny a couple of afternoons a week. But what keeps me going is I've seen them and I involve them in my business. So my eldest daughter, Abby, she's 11 and she edits um, my videos for me and she loves doing that. My younger daughter is more the poser. So if I need to take some real life photos, she's more than happy <laughs> to oh, be involved in those. Yeah. So yeah. it's finding ways to involve your family in, in what you do. And I know people who've got jobs where they've got to go into an office feel that sometimes they can't do that. But you'd be surprised how flexible employers are. So my kids are coming to my workplace next week, um, you know, while I go to work. Um, and, and that's another reason why I started Ignite Your Career um, is that employee engagement is not just the employer's responsibility. So I just saw for so long organisations trying everything they could to turn that dial, but what they weren't really doing is handing back some of their accountability to the employees themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why another reason I started Ignite Your Career was to work directly with people because Ignite Your Career is not just about leaving your current role. It could be about stepping up and finding other ways to connect to your purpose and potential where, where you are now. Yeah. Um, so, so that was really, really, really good. I'm keen to hear when you, when you um, were first describing, you know, taking that first step and not being overwhelmed with the big picture, can yeah. you just talk about 
you know, the, the first time you came up with this idea um, and maybe the first step that you took just to give people oh, a bit yes. of context and colour to, you know, what that actually means or could yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first step literally was Alison and I were sitting on the couch in my yeah. lounge room and I'm like, Al, we need to run a workshop to help people with their career. Mm. She just looked at me and went, great idea. So I literally went, get out your phone. Yeah. <laughs> When are we going to set it for? Yeah. And I think we gave ourselves the tightest, again, not knowing what we didn't know, set a date maybe, I think it was eight weeks from that time. But because we'd set a date and um, we had to be accountable to it. Mm. And so we, we just had to run with it. Now, that didn't mean we didn't have to manage our stress levels and balance along the way. I had to recruit the help of my family and say to my husband, this is going to be an intense period. Yeah. And talk to the girls about that as well. But literally that's what it was. Sitting on the couch, it was this bright sunny day. I'd just come back from a leadership retreat in Bali, feeling really inspired. Yeah. And I'm like, this, this message needs to reach more people. The other tip I would give people too, actually, and this is something I've really reflected on the last couple of weeks, is whatever you do, don't compare yourself to people who are further along the journey than you. Yeah. You compare yourself to the person that you were six months, 12 months ago. And if you're in a service role, like you and I are, you are delivering your message to the people who are three steps behind you. You're not delivering it to your ex sort of exec directors or your, your CEOs. You're delivering it to the people who are a few steps behind you who need to hear your message. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think I've actually heard that quote somewhere where it's something along the lines of don't compare your start to someone else's middle or end. I love that. So don't compare your start to someone else's middle or end. Yeah. That really resonated with me. I'll have to write that one down. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll send it to you. (laughs) That'd be great. That'd be great. And look, it is something I've got to keep reminding myself is that the people who need to hear our message um, are not those people who've got the most successful careers. Mm -hmm. It is the people you know, who are at a crossroad, they're feeling lost, they're burnt out because they just keep doing the same thing all the time and they know that something needs to change but they just don't know what that is. Yeah, and I think it's the perfect time now to maybe deep dive a little bit into the concepts that you explore in these workshops mm-hmm. yeah. and probably that you also, you know, leverage in your uh, in your role as a people and culture lead as well. Absolutely. So I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to dig into that a little bit more and hear from you, you know, what's really important to explore when you are at a crossroads. Sure. So if, so the question being, if you're at a crossroads with your career, what's really important to explore? Yeah, absolutely. And also um, I'd be keen to hear about what you, um, you know, you know, when you've got your workshop as well, what are some of those topics that you explore with people? So, you know, whether it's changing a career, you know, trying to get a promotion or exploring different skills, I'd love to hear. um, Yeah. What, what do you sort of explore? What themes do you explore with people? So I'll just kind of go around as I think of things in no particular order. 
So the first thing that popped into my mind then was, I guess, one of, one of the approaches that Alison and I take is, um, okay, yes, we can be seen as the experts, but that's actually not what's going to help the people in the room. What helps the people in the room is for Alison and I to hold that space so that things bubble up from their own subconscious and intuition almost, because that is what gives people the confidence to believe in themselves. So yes, there are times when we might say, this is what you need to do, but generally it's providing a space to allow things to bubble up for themselves because that's when people get those aha moments. So can you, talk, yeah, can yeah. you talk about how, that, how you do that for people? Yeah, so one example, um, so a really good example is when it comes to exploring people's values. So a lot of the time you'll see that people put, their, put um, lists of values up on their websites. So Brené Brown has a list of values up on her Dare to Lead website. Um, I think Kiki K's got, got a list. You, if you yeah. type values, you get a whole list of them. Yeah. Which, that, that's fine. But then what people do is they look at that list and that's all where their attention goes. And that's consciously looking at that list. It's not allowing their subconscious to come up with other things that might be important to them. So we go through this really cool technique where there's a lot of silence in this activity and we just ask one question over and over. What is important to you in the context of your career? Mm. Silence. Mm. Absolute silence. Mm. And people just start scribbling. And what I found is when I gave them a list that that's all they would come up with. Whereas the stuff they come up with when we go through that activity is real for them. Yeah. Whereas when you're reading a list, they go, oh, I should have that one or I should have that one or I should be doing this one. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of reflection time. The other way we do that is we do a lot of paired work as well so that people can have a lot of discussion and reflection outside of, of the group. We do tend to keep the group a bit smaller so people feel more comfortable sharing. And interestingly, what we found at the last workshop is people prefer to do that sharing as a group, which was counter to what I thought, which is another reason why Alison and I do have to step back a bit. You can't plan exactly how the day is going to work out because if I'd planned all these one-to-one -one activities, then I would have been closed off to seeing that the group actually needed to spend time together, inspiring each other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So does that, does that give you an example of, of one way that we do that? Yep, yep. Um, so if someone, um, maybe what will help is actually if we give uh, some specific questions about... Um, <laughs> What people are thinking in that space so when you so when you discuss values i guess why is it like why should someone care about doing that activity maybe yeah. we'll talk about yeah. that a little bit um yeah. and then we'll go into how can they use those values to decide what they need to do next if they're stuck in a career that they don't like cool so we'll start with the first one why is it important to look at look at values 
So research has shown, um, I'll get into the technical kind of, you know, stuff first. Research shows that working to your strengths and your values are two critically important things um, when it comes to having a more fulfilling and happy job. Um, so values guide our actions and our behaviours. And they do it unconsciously a lot of the time as well, which is another reason why just sort of choosing your list of values off a list sometimes doesn't work. Stuff comes up that you weren't even aware of. I mean, we had someone come to the workshop and didn't realise and hadn't really wanted to admit how important achievement and recognition was to her. So one of the things I'm jumping a bit here that we do prior to the workshop is we give people a strengths workbook to fill out because we like to cram as much as we can into the day and we found that when we spent all morning doing that, we really didn't get into the juicy stuff afterwards. And the strength stuff is things you can do in your own time at home and bring that. Now, she came to the workshop and said, I had so much problems. She had a lot of challenge filling that out. I said, what was going on for you while you were feeling that? And she said, all I could think of was, I don't have those strengths. I don't believe that I've got those strengths. Mm. And that, I'm digressing from your question because I feel like mm. this is an important topic. That is the biggest thing that was getting in the way of her taking that next step with her career. Her belief in her own potential and her own strengths. If you don't believe in your own strengths, how are you going to convince an employer to believe in you and in the value that you offer? Mm. And that's why one of the questions on your post about the skills, mm. I thought, look, great question, but we sometimes need to think, are we asking the right question? Mm. I might just give a bit of context to that for someone who might not have seen it. So the yeah. question was around uh, someone who is looking at either getting promoted or looking at different roles entirely. They were saying that they believed that recruiters were looking at the title of their roles as opposed to what they thought, you know, were their skills that they could, you know, bring into a different, a completely different role. So um, they believe they had skills that can be transferred easily into other roles and they were um, just being judged on, on, on the title. And I kind of, when I read that, I, it did make sense, but then your response also made me step back and think, well, that's just, you know, it can be created in your own mind. So, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, so it's about yeah. that, yeah, that limiting, those limiting beliefs. Yes, and it was such a great question because it demonstrates how, and I do this in other areas of my life as well, but it demonstrates how we can sometimes focus on the wrong problem. Employers, at the end of the day, Yes, they care about your skills, but they care more about what problem you can solve for them. So if you have a belief that, you know, you don't believe in your strengths and you don't believe that you've got anything to offer, now you might say on the surface level, I've got great skills, but do you really believe it? Because your thoughts and your words create your reality. And you do that by the actions that you take. So if you have a belief that you're not good at interviewing, mm. 
are you going to be as inclined to pick up the phone and go and explore new job opportunities? Mm. Probably not. How, what, what, how are you going to carry yourself? Let's say you do get an interview. Got this, you know, negative self-doubt in your head. I'm really bad at interviews. I'm really bad at interviews. And what we sometimes do is go, I've got to try and hide that from the person sitting across from me because I don't want them to see that I'm bad at interviews. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So we don't speak up. We don't stand, um, you know, in our power pose, as Amy Cuddy would say. We don't say things because we don't want to be challenged on it and then have them realise, oh, my God, we're not good at interviews. So we just don't show up fully. Um, and there was a saying I read last night about confidence. It's not about, um, I can't remember what it was now, it's lost me, but it's about never even trying. Yeah. Um, it's about being okay to make mistakes in front of people. That That's what a confident person is. And so how does someone become aware of a limiting belief yeah. uh, and then take action to make sure they're not actually, um, I guess, acting in that way. That, that, that is the stuff of our, our lifetime journey. <laughs> what do you mean we can't solve it in this podcast? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of ways that you've got to start, right? So just start doing yeah. even one of these. Doing even one of these. Oh, I wish I had solved it. Because what I have realised is, is this, this stuff doesn't go away. The self-doubt, the most successful person, everyone has self-doubts. You know, elite athletes, CEOs, senior leaders, it doesn't matter, we all have self-doubts. They just actually get different and evolve as we move through our journey. So what you've got to start doing is developing self-awareness. That is the first step. And you do that with honesty. You've got to be really honest. Now, some people, you might prefer to do that on your own to begin with, so to start journaling and just notice the story you're telling yourself. So one of the stories I, I tell myself, and I didn't realise this until I started um, looking at, at my beliefs, was I've got this belief that if I put my mind to anything, I can do it. Mm. Now, the energy in that is positive. You know, it gets me moving. I make decisions based on this belief that if I set myself a goal, I can achieve it. Yeah. But another limiting belief that I used to have, so I'll give you this example, I'll give a, give a personal one. I used to have a belief that if I had a difficult conversation with someone, it would mean they wouldn't like me and then I couldn't achieve my deliverables at work. Mm. And it wasn't until some deliverables weren't being met because I wasn't having difficult conversations that, that thought popped up in my mind and the self-awareness grew around, wow, is, is that right? Yeah. And the problem with limiting beliefs is we believe in them so fully and some of them are really unconscious. But as you clear the conscious ones, it makes way for these unconscious ones to move forward. Now, that belief was just an excuse to keep me stuck 
and not having difficult conversations and not even learning. So that's what I mean even about taking a step. The problem with excuses is that not that they stop you from achieving your big goal, but the biggest risk of them is that it stops you even taking that first step. So once I'd had that awareness, I wasn't going to go jumping straight to having difficult conversations because, to be honest, I didn't really know how to do it. Yeah. But I just had to take one step and test it out with people I felt comfortable with. So challenging people who I knew liked me, but just challenging them a little bit more in those situations. Yeah. Finding people who did it really well. So, you know, that job I talked about where misaligned values and strengths, my boss did that really well. So that was one thing I learned from her is that she would have difficult conversations and it wasn't personal. But by having that, you actually get a bigger and better idea and people respected her more. Yeah. So I just had to start loosening the grip on that belief I was telling myself, reframe the belief to see the one really good thing to do is to reframe it. So I was telling myself, if I have a difficult conversation, they won't like me. I reframe that to, if I have a difficult conversation, they will respect me more. And it's all about your intention when you go into those difficult conversations as well. If my intention is to go in there and I'm annoyed with the person or you know what, I don't really like them, <laughs> or I, I'm struggling with this interaction, that will come across. They will pick up that my intention isn't positive. So it's a bit like the Brené Brown. She talks about just treat everyone with a positive intention. And I just slowly loosened the grip on that and the impact it's had on outcomes. So my business partner, we would not have been able to get to where we are now unless we were able to have difficult conversations. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So um, if I if I reflect on what you've just talked about, so limiting beliefs, um, values and strengths, how do you, when you're thinking about what your values are and you've gone through that activity of reflecting um, and realising what's important to you, thinking about your strengths um, yep. and then thinking about what you want to do in terms of your career. If you're looking at, you know, doing something, you know, whether it's a different company a sim- or, you know, a different company in a similar, similar role or, um, a, you know, something that could be a sidestep, whatever it is. Yeah. How do you, um, as someone who is actually looking for that next step, how yeah. do you be able to identify that your Mm -hmm. values and your strengths are aligned to that company. So sometimes I think people, instead of um, going internal, as you you were talking about, they think Mm -hmm. about the external stuff. So they'll be like, I want to work for um, a company that's this big. Um, I want to work with a company that's got this, you know, um, you know, this prestige, like that, or they want to work for a startup or, you know, they want to be part of this kind of scene or whatever the hot topic is. So, you know, getting people to, um, and maybe that's, that is an important thing for them in terms of values, but how do you get people to start identifying values within companies or people they're going to work for or teams rather than just what's on the outside that they see or what's just on a resume on a JD? 
do you know the, the the best way to do that is to find some people who already work in the company Mm, yeah so I think and I've done that before as well where I've spoken to people and the other reason for speaking to people is to find out what what are the problems that need to be solved Mm. but we'll get to that later so you you need to do your research and this is why networking is so important and I know a lot of people find it find it challenging but um, you need to find some people who already work in that company and what you're looking for is, you know, any company can pay lip service to values, but what are the behaviours that demonstrate that they actually meet those values? Mm. So I think that's that's key. So look, you can do the surface level stuff, go onto the website. Companies always display what their values are. But the interview process, I always say to people when there's a job, And again, there's a lot of jobs that aren't advertised, but if there's a job that's advertised, you need to call them in advance and ask some questions. So you've identified what your values are. So let's say one of your important values is growth. One of the questions you might want to ask is, how does the company support the development of their employees? Yeah. Um, so, so that, that's, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's interesting too, because sometimes these tips are sort of second nature to me. So it's really good that you ask the question because sometimes I can think I've got to be careful because I can sometimes think, oh, doesn't everyone know to do this? Mm, Um, so it's good to actually (laughs) ask the specific questions. Yeah, definitely. And that, yeah, that phone call is also your opportunity, um, to ask them what keeps you up at night. Like if if this role could solve one or two problems, what what would it be? And that's then what you focus your your resume on. But as I said, there are more roles not advertised than what they are advertised. So you're going to have to start getting comfortable with networking. There's, There's no other way around it. And that is where increasing your profile on on LinkedIn, and just starting up with with some with some meetups and the intention doesn't have to be you know i need you to find find me a job if you go into it with the frame of i'm exploring i'm playing i'm being curious whatever frame is going to sit comfortably with you then that will come across when you're meeting with people now i had a had a colleague who recently landed her dream role and she said Nikki it was coffee to coffee to coffee to coffee she said but that first coffee I didn't know who I was going to be having coffee with 10 10 coffees down down the track but each person I met then went oh you need to meet this person you need to meet this person Mm. but before going into that yeah you got a question oh no 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 I'll save it I'll save it (laughs) cool I was going to say before going into those networking opportunities you need to be really clear on your values and your strengths and what I call your unique value proposition. Mm. What is the problem you can solve for people? And you've got to believe in it. Now, you're not going to go into the meetups and go, this is my unique value proposition, (laughs) but it'll give you the confidence when you're talking to them that you can own this space and you deserve that dream job. And... 
I deserve to be in this meeting with this person? Because there's a lot of clients who are like, oh, I don't want to reach out to that senior manager because I'm not as senior as them and what will they think? Again, self-awareness, what are the stories you're telling yourself? Reframe. Those senior managers love to talk about themselves. I'd <laughs> love to help people on their career yeah, journey. That's true. Everyone, everyone wants to help people out really. They know they've yes. got the right intentions. Definitely. Yep. Um, yep. The question I was going to ask is I think all the things that you've described are really good for people who maybe have an idea of what they want to do. Um, yeah, to be able to leverage, you know, those strengths and those values. But what about for people that you've come across who might be feeling mm -hmm. a little bit lost in, you know, yeah. what excites them, what they're passionate about? Um, yeah. And even in, you know, like what you said in terms of your strength, sometimes when you're so good at something, it becomes so second nature that you do forget that you're good at that yeah. thing. Um, yeah. And sometimes, and, and maybe what happens is that people become so good at that thing that they're doing, they don't realise that it's a strength and also they might be bored or they've just lost that enthusiasm for that role. Yeah. So how do you, yeah, yeah, I would be keen to okay. hear how you help people who, you know, have you know, yeah. lost their passion purpose and how can they get excited about, about their work again? I think, yeah, there's a couple of things that, that popped up. So I, I think they're, they're the people where it's even more important to work with a coach or to just get themselves out of their current reality. Because when, when you just go around in your own head with this stuff, you've only got your own frame of references. Yeah. You've only got your past experience to go on. It's really hard sometimes to see what could be. Now that could start by reading inspiring books, but you've got to find a way to get out of your own head and your own frame of reference and that's one of the reasons why we run the ignite your career workshops as well because what i find exactly what you said before people love helping each other and mm. that's why we've found people prefer to do the group stuff because they want to help others and, and inspire others um, so when when you're you were just talking about, okay so they're feeling a bit lost they don't really know what their purpose is this is where the value stuff is critical. So you need to, your purpose will come um, and be driven by what your values are. So you can't, you can't miss that step. Mm. Got to find out what's important to you. And I probably start generally, actually, mm. because we don't kind of go to work and then have a different set of values than what we do at home. And the other thing you can do is just start to notice what lights you up. And be careful of this extreme thinking. So, for example, you might love writing. And if you're desperate to discover your purpose, you might think, I've got to become a writer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but there's lots of other things you can do if you love writing. So I encourage people to look at what lights them up what do they do for no extrinsic reward but just because they love doing it? Don't judge it because what I find some people then do, they jump straight. We've had people in the workshop who then go, I can't identify this, but how do I get a job out of this? Mm. Or that's not going to earn me any money. That's not going to pay the mortgage. Take away the judgment hat and just have fun with this. Yeah. It might take a week to, to look at what lights you up. Or even 
or it could be even a year of ongoing oh, you know, yes. play and things <laughs> through, right? Be very yeah. ambitious all week. <laughs> As <laughs> well, I say, with um, this, uh, I think, did I talk about the Steve Jobs example? I mean, he didn't go into technology because he was passionate about it. He was passionate about Zen Buddhism. Mm. And then he went into technology to make money. And that's the other thing to understand is not everyone's passionate about their career. But Elizabeth Gilbert talks about, you know, we have a job, we have a career, we have a vocation or a calling. And some people just want a job that earns money to pay for their vocation and their calling. And that's absolutely okay. Yeah, I think I've heard that somewhere as well, where um, you'll you'll find that fulfilment or that happiness if either you are working in a job that um, is directly aligned to your purpose or passion or your job is funding your purpose and passion. That's it. That's it. And the other, the other um, thing around, you know, the research also, also shows that people who are, who are most happiest at work is when they've found a purpose that is helping others. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I there's think, all... I think, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I, no, think, no. Um, I think that in most businesses, you got, you're going to have an end user or a customer. So as long as you're able to um imagine or be able to articulate what you're doing and how it directly relates to that end user or help you with that and yeah you're right because if you can't see how what you're doing helps them or you don't believe in the service that you're offering Mm. then i can't see how you will feel connected to that end user or that client so we had one client in the workshop who who looked at her values and one of them was um, nature and being outdoors and she said I work for a chemical company I'm just not connected to their purpose at all I'm indoors every day um but this stuff happens and it happens quickly when you are ready yeah so you know the individual we had who came to the workshop who um, had discovered her strengths for the first time we do a whole section on mindset and beliefs how to reframe them how to smash through them um how to look at your excuses and really understand that they're what's getting in the way of you taking a step Mm -hmm. and she wrote her resignation letter on the way home on the train now She didn't have another job to go to at that point. She's been doing our advanced program with us. But she had enough confidence in herself to say enough's enough. I can't keep doing this because one of her values she's discovered was family. Mm -hmm. And she was not being who she wanted to be and connecting with her family and having time for her family and her current role. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need that one thing that will tip you over the edge to make that decision. And it could, you can find that absolutely anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And I think that the last question that, um, that popped up, uh, on that post, um, on LinkedIn was about the ingredients to a happy and fulfilling career. Um, So that again, the ingredients, ingredients to having a happy and fulfilling career. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, just like listening to you speak, some of the things that have come to my mind are the alignment to values yeah. um, and 
the strengths based off the research that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you think, you know, that pops up in your mind? Yeah, so and I think the other third thing was around um, that connection to clients uh, yeah. and helping people, like, you will be more fulfilled in your career if you, they're found if you're helping other people. Yeah. So, look, there's some other things that are at play here too, which employers have a big role to play. And that's why, you know, I love working in the people and culture space as well, because it gives me an opportunity, I guess, from an organisational point of view, to play around with these things and, and give them a go. And also working with, with you know, um, consumers directly. But there are things, so relationships. Relationships are critical if you want to have a happy workplace, you know, spark more joy into your workplace. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about relationships, they're the ones that are based on trust and respect. So if you don't have trust and respect within your workplace, um, that's, a, that's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Leadership is also really important. So for people looking for either a step up or a promotion or looking for that next role, Find out what the leaders are like in that organisation. And if you need to meet one-on-one, if you're offered a role, I always advise, if you can, to meet one-on-one just with your manager yourself over a coffee, informal coffee, because you're interviewing them just as much as what they're interviewing you. Mm, Definitely. Can I connect with this person? Would I want to work with them every day? So if one of your values, because you've already figured this out, remember, yeah. is inspiring people, which which one of our workshop participants said, inspiration is my, in my top five values and she said, I don't get it in my job. That is what you're going to want to check in on when you have that coffee with someone. Do I, does this person inspire me? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, yep. So this is this one, values and strength stuff is just so important. And the other thing is active listening in a workplace as well. Um, a lot of people just listen to respond, um, but we need to teach people more how to listen with a curious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking back um, because a lot of people think they've got the answer in their heads already without consulting a, like a bunch yes. of people who are experts in that field. Um, and so yeah. sometimes the right decisions aren't really made because it's the opinion of one person. Um, rather than a collaborative discussion um, or agreement. Yes. Um, so, I, yeah, I really agree with all of those things. And I, and I guess all of that makes up a really happy workplace and, and a really good culture. Um, and you spoke about leadership being one of those important things that will lead to a happier workplace and also mm-hmm. you being happy at work um, and with what you're doing. What would you say, um, you know, is... How would you describe great leadership and, um, yeah, and how would you, you know, how have you seen that at play in the workplace? Yeah, okay, it's such a good good question. Um, look, I, I think great leadership, there is not, I don't know that there's one definition, but the word that keeps coming to mind is um, authenticity. So I guess, you know, one authentic leader might look very different to another authentic leader um, but that is an attribute and a trait that that genuineness and that authenticity um, people pick up 
when someone's not being genuine. You know, we talk about um, in our workshops a communication model, more than 90% of communication is nonverbal. Pick up on this stuff. I think another great attribute, uh, uh, an attribute of a great leader, is when they're able to connect their headspace with their heart space and their gut wisdom. So one thing I've really practiced over the last couple of years is if I'm feeling overwhelmed um, as a leader, it's because I'm too much in here trying to figure out a problem. And then I just ask myself a couple of questions. Like what you said, am I not reaching out to my team and helping and getting all of us involved in solving this problem? But sometimes I've just got to sit in that discomfort and overwhelm in silence, sit in it. And invariably, the next step pops up in terms of what, what I need to do. So I think good leaders harness all of that. Great leaders also have a lot of self-awareness and a willingness to challenge and explore their own styles and what might be barriers to them so that I guess they're continually learning and growing as leaders yeah um one that I had heard of before that you were talking about was that connection between mind heart and that gut feeling Um, I think when you're at work as well you're very much neck up in your head um a lot so I really like that the thinking um, about, you know, that whole body and making sure that this, the decisions that you're making feel right. Um, yes. And you're making yes. good intent. Yeah. Yes. And then the challenge, once you know it feels right, how do you put those feelings into words? Because you then need to go and explain that to others. And you can't just say, we're doing this because it feels right. <laughs> I made that mistake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, definitely so, have to articulate it. Yeah, and that's why you've got to give yourself, you know, a little a little bit of time where you can. Now, my team now know that when my door's shut and I, I put a sign out the front, do not disturb, I'm either in there doing a meditation or doing some reflection. So it's about asking for what you want as well and not just setting these boundaries in your own mind and then getting annoyed with your team or your colleagues that they're breaching those boundaries. Yeah. You have the confidence to start asking for what you want um, rather than the story of going, oh, they're going to think I'm a bit weird if I'm sitting in my office doing a meditation. Well, actually, no, I'm going to be better support for them if I do this. Yeah, exactly. Communicating boundaries, that's a really, really good one. That's a really, really good one. And not a lot of people do that. Um, no, exactly. And we don't because either we think when we question them or they're unconscious. We don't actually realise what our boundaries or, or what our needs are. And I think we do this in relationships as well. Like how we act at work, you know, that's how we act at home. Yeah, right exactly. Well. It's all one life. It's just yeah. one person, one life. Yeah. Um, and so I want to speak a bit, little bit more about you, hear a little bit more about you. Um in terms of your challenges and what you're working on um, to become the best version of yourself, um, I'd love to hear how you're doing that. And the reason why I ask these questions is because uh, someone else might be going through something similar to you and it's good to be able to share advice and what's worked for you and what hasn't. Okay. 
Um, I can share for you my latest challenge, but I don't have a solution for it yet. So if any of you viewers have one, like we can all help each other. Yeah. Um, one of my, so I grew up um, swimming. And I think that's what led me into the work that I do as well, because I grew up, my brother and I grew up training 10 times a week. Oh, like wow. It, it was, like back then, that's what was thought was needed. Now, we didn't have time. We didn't have time to connect with people. So I didn't have time to connect with friends and family. We also had a really small family as well. Um, I didn't have time to play. I never played after school. <laughs> and I remember seeing my friends, they'd be leaving school and they were going off to each other's house for a play. So I didn't learn how to play. And that is my biggest challenge now because I've just finished reading Brené Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's on your mind. It is because she talks about the traits of these wholehearted people and like she studies them like a bit of alien anthropology really and one of the traits is they know how to play and rest and I'm like oh my god and it's purposeless play that purposeless play and I'm like mm. it's not within my frame of reference but I've now got awareness yeah that I don't start looking at this and trying to loosen the grip on my belief that play isn't productive, then I'm not going to be able to sustain the balance that's going on at the moment. So I give you that example because I'm only at the beginning, at that self-awareness stage of noticing uh, what and do you think, yeah, I think that one's really, really interesting. I think a lot of people are guilty of that. Uh, just yeah. because you think, I think except I'm a little bit guilty husband. of that too. Except for my husband. He is an incredible player. He grew up with five, five brothers. Yeah. And all they did was play. So he plays really, really well. So you would think that I could have, there's a bit of role modeling going on. Yeah. Or, <laughs> That's so funny. And especially swimming, because swimming is also a very independent sport and activity. You're on your own. You're focusing by yourself. In your head the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a really interesting one. Yeah, I'd be keen to hear from others um, what they're doing to sort of get oh. into that play a little bit more and just chill out, just relax. I'd love to. And how? Because then I think, so what's, what's purposeless play? Because even if I now play... The purpose is because I've got to do it. Like, you know, you're, so trying, to, you're trying to be more well-rounded. Exactly. That's the purpose is to have more balance in my life. Um, you know what? Your purpose should just be to have fun. Yes. That's yeah. it. Not to be well-rounded, not to just include playing your life. Just have a good time. That's it. So I'm going to reframe. I am. I'm going to use that reframe just to have fun. And so what I've got to do now that is find what lights me up and what are some things I can do just for fun. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's okay. That, that, yeah. That's my challenge. I love In that. In terms of, do, did you want to hear? So one thing I did have to work on last year is is balance mm. and saying no and setting clear boundaries. And that, um, that has been so powerful because I've made a couple of commitments 
that I then got sick because I was doing too much. I remember that, yeah. Yep. And I had to call a very dear leader who I'd agreed to assist at a leadership program. And I went into sort of old patterns of going, thinking, oh, I'm really sorry, maybe I should just do it, maybe I should drag myself along. And, um, and then I remember, and this is where phone a friend, you know, who, who, who have you got in your inner circle that you can talk through this stuff with? And she just said to me, Nikki, what is your intention? Before you even make this phone call, what is your intention? Because again, I quote Brene Brown all the time, clear is kind and unclear is unkind. So if you make that call and you're not clear on what your intention is, you're just going to cause more confusion for the other person and that's not fair on them. Mm. And I said, my intention is not to go. I cannot go. I am too sick. I cannot go. Yes, my old patterns are coming through around wanting to be of service and wanting to be over-responsible. But by being over-responsible, I'm not being responsible to myself. Yeah. So that's been a big learning for me last year. Um, and I'm now a lot better at um, saying no and setting boundaries. I'd like to get a bit better at doing that a bit more in advance. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, baby we steps. Baby yeah, steps, it's fine. We can do so much with our time. Yeah. Um, and what about on the flip side? What are you, what are you really proud of and why? Um, oh, look, I'm, I'm really proud of starting this business with Alison. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just been, um, you, you know, if I'd looked back on the old me of a couple of years ago, I, I couldn't have looked into it to a crystal ball and predicted this, but yet I found a career vision I'd written for myself a few years ago and I'd completely forgotten about it. And this was on it. Oh, wow. And this is why. That whole time. Yep. Yep. And and that's what we say to people. Your conscious mind is the goal getter and the goal setter. Mm. And your unconscious mind is the goal getter. Yeah. Yeah. We put a vision together on that. We put a vision together in in our workshop. Things pop days, weeks, months, years later so I'm really proud um, of that um, I guess I'm also really proud of how I've juggled you know the family and and the work I don't always do it well but I'm so proud of those my kids who just teach me so much about how to live my life as well and they inspire me to do bigger and better um, and I think and it- Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, I was going to say that I think just those things alone are really inspiring to see, mm-hmm. you know, to watch someone be able to do that is inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing I'm really proud of is when my dad got sick, mm-hmm. it was really, really hard because he, he developed um, a brain tumour. So he was impaired and deteriorated really quickly. But I sat in the discomfort with him, even though that was so hard. And I look back on that now and I'm really proud that we were able to do that together. So I think those moments of pride, they're not just necessarily achievements, but Um, they're relationships. Yeah, yeah. And things that you've, you've, 
not overcome, but things that were difficult. They weren't easy things. Yeah, they, weren't, they were not easy things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I really like those. That, that, yeah, I really like those examples. Um, they're really big things. Yeah. Um, so with Brainy Box, we are all about sparking joy and life in the workplace. Yeah. So what what is your advice on how people can spark a bit more joy in their workplace? Be in the right role. <laughs> Make sure you, you've got to drive and take control and lead your own career. Yeah. So if you want to if, if if you want to spark more joy into your workplace, you cannot sit back and wait for your employer to spark more joy into your workshop, into your workplace. You've got to find ways of doing that yourself that are meaningful to you. So again, I know I keep coming back to values, but if connection is important to you, then make time to connect with people that you don't know, reach out to people for lunch. But what they've shown, again, I think we talked a bit about what makes a happy workplace is the trust and respect, um, the active listening, uh, leadership. You need to go there first. So if you want more trust and respect or you want more fun or you want more connection, we want people to listen to you, you've got to go there first. Be you've the change they want to see. Yeah. 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 That's that is so um, that is so so true. That is so so true. Um yeah. And really it's hard like sometimes to be the change we want to see because we stay stuck in our excuses. And mm -hmm. I still do it myself um, in certain areas. Um, we just want the change to happen without us doing the work ourselves. Yeah. That's not, yeah. It doesn't happen. It's like a kaleidoscope, though. You make one little shift, whole picture changes. Exactly. You've got to be able to um, harness your energy or you know, create things that will get you to be energetic and happy at work. So you have to be able to identify yes. the things that you can do to actually bring that light yes. to work and be that person that other it people want to be around. That's it. That start, it's, it, it starts with you. It, there's, and I know that's probably not what, what people want to hear because that's hard, mm. but it starts with you. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to go into the fast five questions for a bit of fun. Oh, cool. <laughs> So, um, so the first question is, what are some of the little things you've implemented in life or in work that have led to significant positive changes? Uh, noticing the story in my head, like that has been the most profound change, developing awareness around what I'm telling myself because your words create your world. Love that one. Yeah. Um, who are your heroes and why? Oh, you know, I was reflecting. I, I, um, I actually don't have heroes because I think sometimes when you put people up on this pedestal, there can be this, oh, I can never, I can never be like, like that person. Or So I guess just everyday people inspire me. If I had to say who my heroes were, it would be my kids. Yeah, I love you that. Know, they, yeah, the, my, A lot my of people have said that. Have they? They learn yeah. from their kids. Their kids teach them a lot of things as well. Absolutely. So lots of people inspire me. Um, but yeah, my kids would be my heroes. Love it. Yeah. Um, what what is and I feel like you might have a few of these, so feel free to share. It sounds like you've been doing some reading. Um yep. so what are your favorite books, podcasts, 
TED Talks and why? Yeah, okay. So, um, again, I tend to sort of just go where the, you know, the seasons are kind of taking me. So, over the break, um, love, love, loved um, Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection. So, I want to read that one again, actually. Oh, I've got yeah. one here on my desk. Oh, yeah. This, this is a great book. Okay, how to get a job you love. So for anyone who is at a crossroad, this book has got some incredible resources in it and it's quite aligned um, with my thinking as well. So really love this book. Um, So again, I loved that TED Talk from Scott Dinsmore about what's the work that you can't not do. Yeah. That was a great one. So thanks for that share. (laughs) All good. But one of the ways I relax is to read um, fiction. Do you have a favourite fiction at the moment? Well, the one I just finished reading that I loved is um, Where the Crawdads Sing. Where the what? Sorry, where the... Crawdads. Ah, okay. C-R-A-W-D-A-D-S. Okay. Beautiful book. Um, and the other one was called Yes, Indeed, Yes, which is a bit of an odd title. Um, so reading is one way that I can just sort of try and get out of my head. And again, I find if I can connect with the characters and learn something from them, to me, that, that makes the book even more, even more special. Mm, so, um, one like of the things you. I want to do this year is get into more podcasts, actually. So I listen to a lot of TED Talks on the way to work and back, but if any of your viewers have got me great podcasts. Podcast recommendations. Yeah, including yours. (laughs) Thank you, Nikki. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll have to, like, um, put a post out and see what people say. Yeah, that'd be good. So, okay, next question. What is your pet peeve? Oh, um, actually, I wrote a couple of these down. (laughs) A couple. I can't stand whistling. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I can't whistle. Yeah. I can't stand it when other people whistle. Um, but on a serious note, so people <laughs> who jump to conclusions without um, without having a conversation and being curious and gathering the right information, that's a real button pusher for me. Um, and people who have no desire to step out of their comfort zone, I, I've got to just watch that a bit sometimes because it is absolutely, like, okay, it's fine if, if you don't want to step out of your comfort zone, but um, I do struggle a bit sometimes. If people have got problems and challenges and they want, they know they want this, but they're not prepared to do any of the work to step out of their comfort zone, I find that really difficult. And yeah. that's that just a message then to me to go, okay, my communication is only as good as what the other people, as, as the people who receive it. So, again, what do I need to do differently to help them? But there are sometimes you, you know, you find yourself um, working with people that you've just got to say, accept that you can't help them. You can't help everyone. And, and people have to change themselves. You can't change people. Yes, absolutely. So it has to be on them. Yeah. Okay, so last question. If yeah. you were on death row, what would be your final meal? <laughs> You know, I, when when I read this question, I thought, my God, I would be so frigging stressed out that I wouldn't <laughs> even be able to eat. Um, but I, I then 
I'm very much a, sometimes I've got a shocking memory, but so the recency effect, we had um, Korean barbecue the other night. Ooh, it's um, a dish. And that is amazing. So I, rec- I reckon I would do that. Korean um, barbecue. Yep. Yeah, amazing. And you know, cook it in front of yourself, like on the grill and the meats. Yeah. And, yeah. All the sides, all the side dishes. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for your time. I am so inspired, and there's so many things that we can share with people. Um, good, good. And I think a lot, lots of learnings here. It is, and that's what's really important for me is that I just, you know, I want to be of service and help people. And if there's one, any one thing that's helped them, then I, I will feel um, really, really happy and inspired by that. So um, I'd love to hear what insights really stood out for people. Um, cause that will help me focus too on, on what's going to be most useful as well. Oh, yes, for sure. Um, once mm. I put the podcast out, we'll see if we can get some feedback or thoughts from people yep. who can share that. Cool. Right. Thanks for inviting me. I feel really honored. Of course. It's been such a pleasure having you on. I hope that was helpful to you all and that you were able to take out a few tips and tools that will help you with your career journey. What really resonated with me was when Nikki was describing becoming too focused on a purpose or a passion and losing sight of what's in front of you and missing opportunities that are already within your reach. I feel like it's something I'm definitely guilty of um, and I want to become more conscious of just enjoying the journey and all the little moments. Thank you so much for listening and speak soon. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of Behind the Bee Box. My journey with Brainy Box has inspired me to share what I've learned from others with you in the hope it makes a positive difference to your life, business or workplace. Your feedback and love is what keeps me going. So please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Brainy Box or connect with me on LinkedIn at Sherry Amami. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Have a wonderful week and I'll speak to you soon.